When planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Well, welcome to Sustainable Success. Hope everyone's having a great week. Here we are. It is the second week of February. Hard to believe that Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Again, we hope uh, here uh, the listeners of Sustainable Success will be celebrating with their loved ones uh, this coming Friday. Again, a lot of great things happening here at Sustainable Success. And uh, we want to make sure that, you know, for those that are still haven't completed their plans for 2020 and for this decade of change, there's still time to do that. Reach out to us here at Sustainable Success at Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. We'd be more than happy to help you in this area to get a clear, specific picture of where you are and where you want to go and how to break that down to make it happen. So again, uh, today's show is being brought to you by Empowered Fathers in Action. They're a 501c organization dedicated to strengthening the father-son bonding process. They're also recently have just partnered with Dream Smart Academy. And again, they'll be working with families, communities, and businesses to help shift those people from codependent to interdependent relationships through behavioral modification programs. Again, check them out at efamovement.org. That's efamovement.org. If you are new to Sustainable Success, again, you found us here on the Influencers Channel, but you can also uh, follow us on Facebook at Sustainable Success 2017. You'll find many of our great guests that have shared their words of wisdom and how you can take your business and personal life to the next level with cutting-edge information that is at your fingertips. Check us out there. Again, you can access any of the on-demand episodes over the last few years uh, at your leisure. We're going to have a great show today. We're going to be talking about write a book and get a, b- a book deal. So, you know, many of you out there are business leaders. Many of you are entrepreneurs. Some of you again are authors or speakers, and you want to be recognized as being an expert in your field. Is that correct? Well, if so, you're in the right place because we have the person today that's going to help you in this area. So we hope that you came prepared with a notebook to take notes, or you can listen to this show on demand. And again, this is going to be something that when you set yourself as an authority, you become a trusted advisor. These are things that I teach as an executive coach. And this is a way to not only attract new clients, but to generate referrals. And what is a better way to set yourself as an authority? It's a book. And even better so if you could get a book deal done. So that's what you're going to learn about today. Write a book and get a book deal done. And our guest today is Randy Pazer. And before I introduce Randy, I'm just going to give you a background about her. Randy edits and ghostwrites books and helps people get book deals with top literary agents and New York publishers. Her clients have been featured in Oprah Magazine, Time Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, US Today, Bestseller List, and Hallmark TV, including Daily Mail TV. Her author's books have been sold nationally to FedEx Office, Office Max, and featured in airport bookstores. Many have won prestigious awards as well. Some have received six-figure deals. Randy also places books in five-star luxury hotels and national, national magazines. Her company is www.authoronestop.com, and we'll be finding out more about that later. Randy is the author of 
write a book program, Crappy to Happy, as featured in the movie Eat, Pray, Love, The Power of Miracle Thinking. And if you look up the word savvy in the dictionary, a picture of Randy appears. That's by David Tyreman, branding strategist for Ralph Lauren and author of World Famous. And without further ado, we welcome Randy Pazer to the show. Randy, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm very happy to be here, Chris. One of my well, favorite it, things to do is to help people, especially entrepreneurs, understand why a book is so valuable. You know, when you're seeking new clients and just putting yourself out in the world. It's so true. I mean, I'm a published author and I can honestly say that, you know, without a book, you know, would I be this trusted advisor that I am today? And, you know, would people really have taken me seriously? So, you know, there are a lot of people that have a, a, a great message inside of them. There are a lot of people that have a wealth of knowledge based upon their personal experience to share and to empower others to be great, not only in what they do, but why they do what they do. Brandy, talk a little bit about why a book is a great way to position yourself as an authority or trusted uh, advisor in their field of choice. Well, you know, a lot of people do the book as a business card, a thing where they self-publish and they have their picture on the cover of the book. That is a, a very 80s kind of approach to um, generating um, PR, and it's not really well looked upon anymore in today's market. So what actually is selling are people who are providing advice, some people who are bringing something new to a conversation that's already happening. And so once somebody has a book, especially if it's coming out through a traditional publisher, people understand that a book through Simon and Schuster or Penguin Random House, it's, it's going to, it's gone through, it's been vetted so many times that's going to make a larger impact. More media opportunities will open up, more publicity opportunities, just by virtue that this book has been picked up by you know, a publisher of well regard. And it doesn't mean that people can't do the, the book as a business card kind of thing, you know, and have, you know, some small back-of-the-room sale. But that's not the kind of book that's going to open up doors for people who really hold the vision that they know that they have a message that they want to get out nationally. So for people who are at that level, and they know from wherever they are in their business, they really want to get out nationally. They want to get on more stages. They're really primed for it. They're ready for it. Then I tell people, definitely try for a traditional publisher. Exactly. So, yeah, so we talk about that, like the tradition you got, you have a, you know, let's say, I guess they call them hybrid publishers or, you know, there's people that can self-publish. And then there's obviously getting those book deals. Can you talk about, again, for those, those would, you know, are going to be at different stages and some might be more serious than others. And obviously some will have different budgets in terms of going about using a book as kind of that source to be position themselves as an authority. What can you talk about a little bit about the, you know, the pros and cons of each of them? And then in your yeah. opinion, what you feel is in the long term most effective if somebody is serious about coming a trusted advisor or an authority in their field? You know, it- it really depends on a person's end goals. And I like different forms of publishing for different reasons. And I'll tell you easily the pros and cons of each. So what I tell people is, if you want to get your book out quickly, self-publish. If you want to make more money per book, typically, 
self-publish. If you're using your book for your career, definitely try for a traditional publisher because all kinds of new doors and new opportunities can open for you that would normally never open. And I'll give you an example. You know, my clients who are in, who have been featured in Time Magazine or Oprah Magazine or in airport bookstores, these are not books that were self-published. In the business realm, the publishers have access to special sales. So two of my clients have had their books picked up by FedEx Office. One of those was also picked up by Office Max. Those opportunities don't happen with self-published books. In my own case, my first book I wrote, which was called Crappy Too Happy, I'm sitting in a movie theater, opening night of the movie Eat, Pray, Love, and there's Julia Roberts holding up my book in a bookstore scene. Those kinds of opportunities don't happen typically with self-published books. That's so, so true. Like, you know, I primarily work with first-time authors. So it's first-time authors who I'm getting book deals for, you know, with top publishers. But that being said, I also, when I'm speaking with somebody, I'm discerning in our conversation whether I think their book is potentially sellable. And so some of the things that are really important to publishers, they really want to know what are you bringing that's new to the conversation that's already happening. So, for example, do you remember, Chris, some years ago when The Secret came out? All of a sudden, there were all these books that were talking about law of attraction, law of attraction. Remember that? I remember that, yep. So it was like this glut of books that came out about law of attraction. Now it's going to be really, really tough to get a book deal for a book on law of attraction because the market became glutted with them. Right now, for example, neuroplasticity. Books on neuroplasticity are selling Books on caregiving are selling, so think in terms of trends, like what's trending. You have a whole generation of boomers, so books related to caregiving are selling. Books on human trafficking are selling. And so I'm always looking like, what, what is the trend? You know, where are things going? Who's buying what and for what reason? <laughs> and so there's a lot that goes into the determination as to whether someone should self-publish, hybrid publish. And that's really the kind of conversation that I go to in depth with each person when I'm speaking with them to just discern what's the best path for them in their book. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I guess, like you said, you really clearly defined, you know, you know and I'm sure there are a lot of people out there, you know, want to get a book out there for whatever reason. But, you know, talk about like a little bit, you know, it's not just like, hey, I'm going to put out a book. There's got to be, would you have to say there's got to be a plan? Like you said, if you were going to, if you were serious about elevating your career to a whole nother level to open up huge, you know, open up new doors of opportunity as an authority, obviously, you know, shopping your, you know, to see if your book is sellable uh, and that you could, you know, possibly be, a, you know, be have an interest with a, a large publisher. You know, talk about a little bit about, again, that, you know, that what is the process that you have to look at this book? Is it, it's got to be part of sure. a, more than just the book itself, correct? Right. That's correct. I tell people there's two parts to the conversation about getting a book deal with a traditional publisher. One part is definitely about the content, but the other part is what I call the business of publishing. And this is the part that most people don't know that they really need to know if they want to go after a book deal because the competition is just huge. So for example, 
I was sitting with a publisher who gets 10,000 manuscripts a year. That's what he told me. 10,000 submissions. That's roughly, if we were going to do math, 860 submissions a month. And it's my job to get my people to the top of that pile. That's what I do. And I do it a lot. So I'm going to share the process that I created that's really helped me to create so much success for so many people. And I just want to give you an example of what that success looks like. This past October and November, I got six people book deals. That's a lot of book deals. Yeah, absolutely. Four of those books went directly to publishers. Two went to top literary agents. I typically take fictions to the agents because they have connections in that world that I don't have. But I have the nonfiction connections for entrepreneurs. So, for example, one of my authors got a six-figure book deal. And the book went to a bidding war, and Simon & Schuster took the book. My company actually ghostwrote the book as well. So I have to know what the publishers are looking for and what it takes to get to that six-figure deal. And so I'm going to share what goes, the whole process, like what goes into this. Yeah, if we can start, so start every- off, because we got about, we have about three minutes till the break, but let's, let's start. And then like when, when, when we're going to come back and we're going to give the meat of that process, if that works for sure. you. So the first thing that we do is examine the content. And that means read that manuscript, use the comments bar in Word, and point out anything that we feel needs to be strengthened by the author or any place where we felt, oh, you lost your publisher here for this particular reason. And so that's just the first phase, typically. We're going to read it and analyze it. And in that phase, we're also determining from the content perspective, do we think this is a book a publisher is going to want to buy? So, for example, I had a book that came in this past week, and I couldn't find anything new in the content, and I had to go back to the author and say, you've got to bring something new to the conversation. Publishers are going to roll their eyes over this, and they're going to say, we've seen this, we've seen this, we're not interested. So being new, being fresh is really important. So that's really the first phase of things. And sometimes that just means using the correct positioning for a project. So, for example, I had a book on happiness that I was pitching, and I was getting a bunch of no's on it from the top literary agents until one person said, why don't you call this a book about liberating yourself from fear? It was the same topic, just different positioning, and all of a sudden the yeses rolled in. So it's a matter of of using strong discernment and understanding what publishers are buying and what's trending. That's so true. And and like I said, you know, and, and, and to the person that's out there, you know, they may not have this insight, right? So this is where some, you know, somebody that, you know, excels in this area, someone like yourself, that not only uh, ghost writes, you know, people's, uh, you know, you know, you know, their, their concepts in an authoritative way, but really understands the process about how to go about, go about doing this. So that's so true. And I really want to get into the meat of this uh, after we come back from break, Randy, uh, because I, I personally believe this is so important. I believe that everybody has a book inside of them, and depending upon their objective, like you said, some might be okay with a self-published book, you know, because, they're, you know, for whatever their goals may be. But, you know, again, if somebody's truly looking to make a difference in the in the area that, they, that they're an expert in, this is where, you know, you know, considering, you know, having a book by a top publisher can really go a long way. 
Um, we have about less than a minute, but I just wanted to kind of like just before we get into the meat of the process, just to kind of like again, just uh, you know, reiterate, you know, the the importance uh, again uh, of why you know we you know having a book, you know, uh, either way you go is so important uh, to your level of authority. Yeah, I mean, absolutely contributes to your level of authority. You know, people trust experts, and a lot of people don't even want to consider themselves an expert. They don't even feel that they're at that level. But the truth is, if you start being able to provide information for other people that they don't know, guess what? You're more of an expert than they are. <laughs> so absolutely. claim your expertise. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Again, you're listening to Randy Pazer. Again, we're talking about write a book and get a book deal done. Again, we're talking about the importance of, of using a book as part of your overall strategy to become a trusted advisor and influencer in your area of expertise. We have to go to break, but we'll be right back. We got more to come with this process if we've only hit the tip of the iceberg with this with Randy. So come back and we got a lot more to come. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Welcome back to Sustainable Success. Again, our our show is being brought to you today by Empowered Fathers in Action, a 501c3 organization dedicated to creating interdependent family structures that lead to interdependent communities and interdependent business. Check them out at empoweredfathers at efamovement.org. That's efamovement.org. Again, we're here with uh, Randy Pazer. Again, we're talking about write a book and get a book deal done. We're talking about the strategy, how a book can really leverage you as an authority, but not just self-publishing or maybe having a hybrid publisher, but actually getting a book deal, really setting yourself above others in your area of expertise that can open up a whole new avenues for you to, to really excel in your area of expertise. So, Randy, where we had left off, we were talking about the process of getting a book deal. So I wanted to continue to get into the meat of that so we can you know, let the listeners know and those that are be 
listening later about that process. And then I wanted to get into some of the other things that go along with getting, you know, with this, you know, that people should, you know, be aware of uh, when they're considering, you know, the strategy of using a book uh, for their level of authority. Yes, you know, absolutely. So I had started talking about read-through and written analysis. That's usually the first place where we're going to discern, do we think this book is going to be of interest to a traditional publisher? Having a strong idea as to what they buy, you know, having going to the book shows and seeing, you know, what's coming up on their latest list, what are they looking for? Many publishers put me on their list and they tell me the kinds of manuscripts, the specific topics and themes they're looking to purchase. So that's clearly an advantage as well that you know I'm able to provide to know, like, you know, what are they looking for? That's really important. And so we start with the analysis, and let's say the manuscript is strong, and we think this is of potential interest to a publisher. Typically what will happen is that the manuscript will then go back to the author to address any of the issues that we found in the manuscript. For example, we might write something like, We need um, a description. Use an example here to explain this theory. You know, things like that. Or you're using too many repetitive words uh, or your verbs are very weak. Let's strengthen the verbs. Here are some examples. So then it goes back to the author to input those changes. And then it comes to us for editing, provided the manuscript needs editing. And truthfully, they all do. So... And then what is necessary, it's what's called a book proposal. And all nonfiction requires a book proposal. This includes mm. memoir, self-help, how-to, 10 steps to, doesn't matter. If it's nonfiction, it requires a book proposal to sell that project. Every agent, every publisher expects to receive it. And these proposals are very much the key to the book deal. Now, over the years, I've become a master of the proposal, and I do things that other people don't even think to do, but everything I'm doing is going to tip the sale in the favor of my authors, and I'm going to give you some of my trade secrets, because I want people to have successful book deals. So, usually on a cover, what do people put on a cover of anything? For, in this, for example, they're going to put Typically, what everybody's going to do is put the title of the book, their name, and their contact information. It'll say a book proposal for, and then the title of the book, their name, and contact information. But truthfully, this is prime real estate. And so, part of my secret sauce, which I am sharing with you <laughs> so that people can have success. Yes, this is great. Use this cover. Use it. We've got to get a publisher to raise their eyebrows with interest. I call it the eyebrow factor. What is it that we can say on the cover of this proposal that will absolutely wow a publisher who, frankly, is looking for reasons to reject a manuscript because they're inundated? And they're looking very quickly. So what can we say on that cover? If somebody has already been speaking, let's say they've, they've been on you know, CNN.com or different places like that, we'll put the logos right on the cover of that book proposal as featured on or as featured in if you've already been doing some kind of publicity. Or let's say a person doesn't have their publicity really cranked up yet. We might use it to say the first book to then fill in the blank. What is your book, the first book to? 
What is it that you're bringing that's new to the conversation that's so powerful that it's absolutely going to wow the person reading that? So those are just some of the little techniques, little tricks that I do, but they do make a big difference. So use the cover of that proposal as prime real estate. Like you said, I mean, it's, I would think it's like kind of like you think about when you're a human resource person in a company and you get you get a gazillion resumes, right? You know, all these exactly. resumes look the same. Would it be safe to say that, you know, book proposals might be people are making that, doing that, and, and, and it just all looks the same. It, it's not – it's got to be something that's going to be compelling to them, something that already either says this is yes. the first book of this or that, you know, you already have some type of an authority because you've been – covered or featured in a credible source like, you know, uh, right. you know Forbes or something like that or Inc. Magazine, yes. that type of thing. Yes. So, you know, a lot of people think, well, when I get the book deal, then I'm going to start my publicity. But that's not what the publishers are looking for. They want to know how visible are you now? Because that's how they're making their buying decisions, not on what I call pie in the sky, what you will do once your book comes out. Now, I've seen people who have sent me drafts of their proposals, and one of the sections in the proposal is called about promotions. And they'll say things like, you know, I will be contacting X, Y, and Z. I have a friend who knows Oprah's producer from, you know, 1975 or whatever. But publishers don't take any stock in that. And I'll give you an example. Wiley is a well-known publisher. They came back on a project many years ago when I had submitted a proposal. And again, this is like many years ago, like maybe about 10, 12 years ago. And they said, where has the author spoken in the last year? What was the size of each audience? Where is the author speaking in the next 6 to 12 months? What is the projected size of each audience? So one of the things I learned from that many years ago was how, how much numbers matter. Numbers matter to publishers, and that has to do with what we call the business of publishing. Not about your content. They could absolutely fall in love with your content, but we've got to prove numbers to them. And so, like 20 years ago when I was pitching books, no one was saying, what's the size of her social media platform? But now it's the first thing out of people's mouths once they say they're interested in the content. Tell me about her social media. I was sitting with Angelina Jolie's literary agent. I was pitching a project. He pulled out his phone in the middle of my pitch, looked up the author on YouTube and said, oh no, his numbers are way too small. Agents and publishers are looking people up online. So I tell people, if you want a book deal, keep it very clean and very professional online everywhere because (laughs) eyes are watching you. (laughs) Like I had a project some years ago where the author was about to get a book deal with a top literary agent who I brought them, except the literary agent did an advanced search and found out this person was suing all different people for different reasons. And the agent said, there's no way I'm going to you know, touch this person in their book. So, you know, I tell people, keep it very professional, you know, online. And so that's really important. So I know I've swayed off topic a little bit, but I'll get back to no. the book proposal. Yeah, no, no worries. No, he, he, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think this is so important because this is part of this process. And, you know, this is, yep. there's a lot of time involved here. There's a lot of, you know, cost here. So, you know, now that you, you've pointed a lot of these out, there's obviously going to be mistakes 
that people made. Maybe before they even knew, even even thought that maybe my book maybe could be published. Maybe I have something here, but I just didn't believe that I did at the time. And I did this, this, and this, and you know, and I got mixed results or I got very little results. And I spent a lot of time, more time, but cut corners here on my first book. What are some of these mistakes that people can learn from? Or, or better yet, what are the mistakes? And that's what they, guess they can <laughs> learn from. Because, I mean, yeah. they, they know that certain things didn't turn out the way they wanted it to. But maybe they, they're still not clear of, again, where the, they made the mistakes, what led to that. So if we could talk about that, I think that will be very helpful in kind of uh, helping people to are, navigate this area. There are two main mistakes that people make consistently. And I saw it happen just Today, actually, somebody emailed me earlier. Biggest mistake that people do is to do things out of sequence. And what that means is they're sending their manuscripts to agents for consideration before that manuscript has been edited or analyzed. So it's out of sequence. And agents aren't going to edit somebody's book for them. You know, agents are inundated. I'm on panels with agents. And they're telling me, you know, they get a thousand submissions a month. And I actually have agents who I pitch to, these top agents, and they tell me, Randy, when you have something for me, text me, because they're not even looking at their email because they're so inundated. So the first mistake that people make is doing things out of sequence. So the manuscript isn't polished. It's just not ready to go. And they think an agent's going to be interested in, in them and see that they're a valuable commodity for that agent. But that's not the way the industry works. There's way too much competition. So make sure that book, your content is edited, it's polished, it's really ready to go. So that's one of the major mistakes. The other big mistake that I see very consistently, and it actually happened with this author today who I was looking at their email, people self-publish. And then they think, oh, that makes them more attractive to a traditional publisher. And it's actually the opposite. If you have any interest in finding a traditional publisher, do not self-publish. I can't say that any clearer. And here are the reasons why. Once that manuscript is out in book form and it's on Amazon, now you're in competition with a publisher. So even if a publisher is interested, they're going to look you up on Amazon. They're going to look up your sales numbers because they have access to that information. Now, I had a book where this past year, I was pitching this book. It was self-published. It had been out only seven months, and the author had sold 2,600 copies. I thought, oh, my God, you know, there's, there's strong interest, ongoing interest in this book. 2,600 copies in seven months, self-published book. Those are strong numbers, or so I thought. I had 25 meetings in two and a half days, 22 meetings with publishers, three meetings with top literary agents. In those meetings, what I heard consistently is, and again, these are all separate meetings, separate individuals, but they all said the exact same thing. Once an author self-publishes, we're not going to touch this book, and the publishers are not going to touch this book unless the author sells 10,000 copies its first year and can show that there's an ongoing demand for that book. Now, who can reach those numbers? You know, that's incredibly difficult. It is so much easier for me to take a first-time author, and most of my clients, frankly, are first-time authors. It's so much easier for me to sell a first-time author's book to a publisher than when a book is self-published. 
I have done it, but it is really, 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 really difficult. Hard to do. What What if somebody? Yeah. There are some people that hear that um, that you know maybe they didn't self publish, but maybe they went through let's say a hybrid publisher. So it's like a publisher, but it's not a it's not a it's not an, a, a a top level publisher, right? It's somewhere like in between. You see a lot of those out there. Would that be? Would yeah. that also fall into this category for self publish? Absolutely. They're looking up sales numbers. And if that book's yep. out online, like on Amazon in particular, they're going to go right to the sales numbers and make decisions. I was actually on the phone call with the acquisitions editor at Barrett Kohler. You know, they're a publisher that did The Economic Hitman. You know, and I was pitching a book. And while I'm speaking with the guy on the phone, he looked up the author's previous book sales, said, nope, number's too small, click, done. So the publishing industry is ruled by numbers. And so, like, like, like I said, it's much easier for me to get a book deal for somebody who hasn't self-published and has, now has a, a low track record of sales versus someone who hasn't been published yet. Got it. Got it. Now, if somebody, let's say, has made, they've already made this mistake, and we have a couple minutes, and maybe we can, we can pick up after we get back, but the, if they've already done this, they've made, they've, you know, it, it, so, I mean, you said that, you know, anything can happen, but, but it's very, it's a lot harder. What, is there anything that could be done that could get around that if they claim, hey, they have slow numbers? Is there something else that they may consider to kind of change their opinion? So what I really suggest when people self-publish and their sales numbers are low, either they're going to build sales numbers like crazy, but what I actually prefer that people do is go after foreign rights because there is very good money to be made in foreign rights. And I have a very dear friend, Jill Lublin, who makes that happen. And she goes to the, you know, the uh, Frankfurt Book Fair and the London Book Fair, and she brings yep. back the leads for people of publishers who are interested in foreign rights. And I don't know a whole lot about foreign rights because it's not exactly what I do. But what I do know is that usually the advances are very, very good because most of the money is made on the advances because there's no way to audit publishers in India or China or anywhere else. And so usually they offer more money up front with the advance, although the author may never see a penny more after that. Got it. But if they're getting like 30000 yep. on a book, yippee. <laughs> I mean, exactly. so I think there's a lot of opportunity for self-published authors through foreign yep. rights more than with traditional publishers in the U.S. Got it. Perfect. All right. So I want to, that's a good note. And again, if you're just joining, you know, been joining halfway through, you can listen to this show in its entirety later today. Again, with, with Randy Pazer, we got to go to break, but we're coming right back. We got a lot more to come from Randy, write a book and get a book deal. We'll be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects. Surrounding yourself with family and loved ones. Nurturing your spirituality. Maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness. And being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. The issue is that many people and businesses 
Manage the problem, but do not address the root cause to it. You now have the opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consultation calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back to Sustainable Success. Again, our show is being brought to you today by Empowered Fathers in Action at efamovement.org. Highly encourage you to check them out. And if you are interested in volunteering in this particular area, there are many opportunities with them, again, that are available on the website And again, any of those that are looking to bring their concepts of how they help families to move from codependency to interdependency, they do offer certification programs for facilitators with great opportunities to make a difference in your communities, in people's lives, and in the business world. Check them out again at efamovement.org. Again, if you're just joining us, we're here with Randy Pazer. Again, uh, write a book and get a book deal. Uh, Randy is the authority in terms of helping thought leaders and experts in their areas of expertise to get book deals with their first-time books or content that is just waiting to be read by uh, your audience or industry. So with that being said, Randy, where we had left off, I wanted to kind of talk about from the writing side and talk about why the memoir is so important as part of the book process, in this case, getting a book deal. You know, it's very interesting, Chris, that right now, many, and I mean many, many people are writing their memoir because they've gone through some challenging or difficult life experience. They've overcome it, and now they want to help others who are impacted by the same experience, whether it's a health issue, an abuse issue, a drug issue, whatever it is. People are writing their memoirs everywhere. And this is the problem, Chris. Everyone is writing their memoirs. So it can be very, very challenging to get a book deal. Yet, you know, why does anyone write a book? Hopefully it's because you really want to impact people. You really do want to make a difference. You've lived through a difficult experience, and you really do have gems. You have wisdom to share. So whenever I get in a memoir, I ask myself a couple of questions, one of which is, is this a book that's all about me? Or is it answering the question in the reader's mind, which is, what's in it for me? Because Mm. it's not enough now to just tell your story and hope that people will get gems by reading it. Because people, frankly, don't have time. You must answer the question in the reader's mind, which is, what's in it for me? And I want to give you an example. My first book was called Crappy Too Happy. My original title was From Crappy to Happy, A Journey Out of the Pits and Into the Fruit of Life. 
And I thought, gee, that's witty. Now, when I sold it to a publisher, and again, this was back in the late um, 1990s, when I got that book sold to a publisher, they took off the from, so it became crappy to happy, and then they changed the subtitle to Small Steps to Big Happiness Now. Now, that answered the question in the reader's mind, which is, what's in it for me? Mm. So here's the setup that sells if you are writing a memoir. I encourage people to do what I call a prescriptive memoir. That means you're actually applying some kind of prescription in your memoir. And one of the easiest ways to do this is after each of your stories have four steps, which are either insights or action steps that a reader can do that's really based on the content of that particular story that you just told. Insights or action steps. This is the basically the template, if you will, that I do for writing my own books. So crappy to happy. I'm telling all these stories about how I went through some crappy experience, and here's how I overcame it. Then after it are four action steps or insights that are four keys to happiness now. I wrote a second book, The Power of Miracle Thinking. Following each short story in The Power of Miracle Thinking are three miracle thinking tips. How can somebody apply their own thought process or action actions to create miracles in their life? So stories followed by steps is a great way to increase the value of your memoir. And I highly encourage people to, to do that because it makes the book often, much more often, sellable. Does that make sense? It makes sense, absolutely. Now, you know, other people want to write positioning themselves as an expert, and so I encourage people to do something like seven steps to, ten steps to. And, like, one of the things, and then fill in the blank, obviously, one of the things I'm hearing from publishers now everywhere, like every year there's a different buzzword. This year the buzzword is, outcome-driven titles, and outcome-driven content. That means in the title of your book, the reader needs to know the outcome they're going to get from having read that book. It's got to be in the title. So forget about super cutesy titles and actually show what the outcome is. So, for example, like I was on a video Zoom call with one of my clients, the McGraw-Hill editor, and she said, you know, we're looking for outcome-driven titles which is what I've heard from all the publishers this year. And she said, she further defined it. She said, we're looking for books that will take a reader from point A to point B with all the steps in between so that by the time they finish reading that book, they can actually apply something and make some change in their life that's meaningful for them. So I really encourage authors when they're writing to see, are you actually providing an outcome? And is it an outcome that someone really is looking for? And I'll give you an example. A lot of people say, you know, I help people create transformation. Transformation is a very vague word. If people are going into a bookstore looking for help, they're not saying, I need books on transformation. What specifically do they need? I need books that will, you know, help me find a career that will give me the relationship I want, that will help me overcome depression. That will, those are more specific outcomes. Yeah, it's almost like you said, like, it's simple, right? It's, they want something that, that when they see it, it, it's something that's compelling to them 
It's it's what they desire, and it's simple. You know, not that the process yes. to get there is simple, but but they, it's simple to understand that this book is going to provide me the process or the steps to do this, this, and this. Yes, exactly. You know, that's exactly right. So outcome-driven titles and outcome-driven content. Wow, that's great. So, I mean, so these are some of the things that, you know, got to be part of the strategy. I mean, before they actually, would you say before they actually start the book, this is something that's going to set the, the the frame or the scope of how the rest of the book will be laid out? You know, it, it's kind of fun, Chris, because people come to me at all at all different stages, and I just work with someone from wherever they are. So, for example, if somebody already has the book laid out, which is often the case, I'm still examining it to make sure, and when we do the analysis, to make sure that it's still outcome-driven. And if it's not, I might do a positioning consultation with a client to say, you know, this book would have a much better chance of a sale if you did X, Y, and Z. You know, and I do that kind of thing all the time, just just from knowing what the publishers are buying. Yeah, it's so true. So, so true. And, you know, and other times, if somebody hasn't written one word yet, I'll have a conversation with them and say, "Yes, this, not that." You know, so it really <laughs> depends on you know, what somebody's interested in doing. Wow, this is like interesting because, like, you know, I think a lot of times, like, you know, when you talked about earlier about, you know, some of the mistakes that people make, they, they, this could be where they do things out of sequence. Would it be safe to say this could be another area? All <laughs> right. You know, it, oh, yeah. That, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, it could really, I think, would it, you know, I'm, you know, what I've seen, you know, we live in a world now, there's just so much information. There's so much things around us at our fingertips to tap into this information. It's not like you know that you know they the people are looking for content that gets straight to the point. So it would, so it looks like a memoir is going to be able to really set that stage and memoir, and then really that rest of the book is really going to get down to the nitty you know the nitty gritty straight to the point of what this is. Yes, I mean you know I think you know you've really hit it also, and it's just so important. Like I was at a, a writers conference where there were four hundred women. And I would swear 395 of them have, had written their abuse memoir. And, you know, everybody's story is so important, but it doesn't mean I can sell it. So, you know, I think people's words are important, their stories are important, and they do need to tell their stories. But we've got to position it in a way that it will actually sell to both readers or publishers. Mm, absolutely. And, and so, you know, Randy, when we're looking at this, like, like again, go, circling kind of back up to where we started earlier in the show, you know, somebody out there, let's say they haven't written a book and maybe they, you know, they're kind of saying, oh, I've heard about, I could self-publish, I can do this, but you know, it's going to be a lot of money. It's going to cost me a lot of money to go do, go this route. But again, what would be the, you know, the real, I mean, again, you can't, nothing's guaranteed, right? But what would realistically be, you know, the, the fruits of, of of going this route that could really open up new doors for people, like just to kind of paint a picture right. again, never promising yes. anything because nothing is guaranteed. But if somebody really has the first thing to, that 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 some that content that is really the first of something, or just something that's so compelling that that you know that this is exactly what publishers are looking for, what that can do in terms of financially, dependent upon their business and so forth. You know, so people always ask, you know, what kind of advance do you think I can get on this book? And an advance is money that a publisher gives right up front, you know, that's against royalties, which means, let's say, if the author is going to make $3 a book or $2 a book, they have to 
complete all get all those or the publisher needs to sell enough book to books to make back the advance before the author sees more money on it. And so advances are largely predicated on the author's ability to promote, which is one of the things we need to show in the book proposal in the book proposals on a section about promotions. So one of the things that I help all my authors do is I send everyone a templated letter because we're going to leverage other people's lists of people they know. So, for example, with Crappy to Happy, I had a mailing list at that time of about 2,300 people. And I sent out a letter to my list of 2,300 people asking people, would you be willing to send out an announcement that I write, you know, when my book comes out, you know, just to help me get the word out about my book? And if you're willing to help me, would you please tell me the size of the list you will actually reach, whether that's on Twitter, LinkedIn, social, you know, wherever on social media? And I figured I could amass a list size of 30,000 people. To me, that sounded reasonable. I have 2,300 people. If I can amass a list size of 30,000 people that will get my message about, here, my book just came out, I'm in good shape. But the truth is, the letter I wrote generated 1,370,000 people that would be reached. And I was completely blown away. So I learned that we can leverage other people's lists. So you think about all the people you know whose lists are going to be a lot larger than yours, but they're still in your circle. And we send them this letter, and then we call them your book launch campaign partners. Mm. And that certainly helps create greater leverage. Depending on the size of the publisher, for example, some advances are going to be in the $5,000 to $7,000 range. Now, I've seen McGraw-Hill offer like 15000 and seventeen five on projects. But then again, you know, if, if the author has the great numbers and the greatest, greatest leverage, then they're going into, you know, potentially six figures. But the numbers yeah. have to be there. And I want to give uh, people an idea of what kind of numbers publishers are looking for, because everyone asks me that kind of question. I was pitching one book in New York this past May where the author had two LinkedIn profiles. He's a professional appealing to a professional audience, so that is his target market demographic. He had two LinkedIn profiles. One was for his company, and he had 10,000 followers. He had one personal profile on LinkedIn with 1,000. And those three top agents I met with all told me the exact same thing in separate meetings. Delete the 1,000. Those numbers are too small. So, I mean, a thousand people is a thousand people, but from a publisher's perspective, those numbers are too small. They're too small. So no they're question. Only- no, no question at all. It, it's it's got to be. So, what we got about a minute. Cause I want to leave some time for you where people can find you and get some more information where they can do you know one on one to get more details. So, just in about a, less than a minute, just talk about just to finish that up. That really to drive the importance of what you just talked about here. Oh, about you know, building your about, no about yeah about the about the real the the, the you know the reality the you know the typical ranges that you talked about with the publishers on book book advances to kind yes. of finish that up, yeah. Sure. I mean, like I said, most are going to be in that five thousand to you know fifteen twenty thousand dollar range. You know, yep. some publishers don't even give advances, but they're giving much larger royalties, which yeah. I also think is a great deal. It really depends on the contract. You know, what's offered in it. Oftentimes, royalties are tiered. That means a person sells a certain amount of books, then the royalty rate goes up. So, and that might be like 10,000 books, 15,000 books. It really depends on the publisher. Got it. Got it. 
Well, this is great. I mean, Randy, I want to thank you today for taking the time to share with this this information. This is just a, a, a just a wealth of information for those that either are considering writing a book or maybe they've already written a book, but now they got a better insight to the strategy behind the you know writing a book and then using an advantage to grow your level of authority, but even better yet, and how to get a book deal from it and really open up your career to a brand new level. What is the best way people can contact you, Randy, or find out more information about you? Sure. I think the easiest way is on my website. I have a contact page right there for authoronestop.com, and the one is spelled out O-N-E, so it's www.authoronestop.com. And, you know, one of the things that I always like to give to people, I feel that the most valuable thing that I can give to people, Chris, is my time. And I like to give people like, you know, a 15-minute, just a, you know, a call. It's no obligation. You know, I'm happy to hear about a project, give you my ideas about positioning and whether I think it's potentially sellable. So, you know, I'm just happy to do that. I do send everybody a confidentiality agreement and a rate sheet. I never throw surprises at anyone, and I will never waste anyone's time or their money. I am not about that at all. I love to get people book deals, but the book has to be stellar. And we, that's what we yep. do. <laughs> we try to make we create stellar books. Absolutely. So well, I know I know that for a fact. You are you are highly ethical, and you are you understand this business inside and out. And I know that about you. Again, you want to check out Randy with that information. Again, we that information is also available here uh, at the Voice America Influencers Channel. Again, you could also reach out to me, and I will put you in touch with Randy. Again, we highly encourage you to listen to this episode in its entirety. Again, again, you'll probably pick up some other things that maybe you overlooked that could really make a difference in what you're going to do with the book to really take your level of authority to the next level. And again, we want to thank you uh, guests each and every week for joining us here at Sustainable Success. The show would not be where it is today if it wasn't for you. And we will continue to come back each and every week with great guests that offer a wealth of information to help pivot in your business and personal life. To Have a great, a happy a Valentine's Day, everyone, and we'll see you next Thursday. Thank you for tuning in to Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have an incredible week.